0: Hello, and thank you for tuning into Barely There Theater, where we present theater to you, barely. Up this week, a rehearsal process of this month's play. The audio presented here is a mostly unmastered recording, with any changes or omissions made at the request of those being recorded. This is to help facilitate a safe and creative rehearsal space where ideas can flow freely in the moment. There will be a brief message at the end of rehearsal, so stick around. We hope you enjoy the process.
1: You know, back there.
2: All right. Um, okay, everything's working. We're back on okay. um, Thank you all
0: so much for, for agreeing to do this. Gonna, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, the, the general setup of the podcast is we record the rehearsal. We're recording now. Um, take a break, um, which will coincide nicely with you guys having to leave for a fight cor- yes. uh, call. And then we will come back and just record it through, and I won't stop you. Um, even though we are being recorded right now, please do not feel the need to inhibit yourself at all. If anything that gets brought up that you don't want to go on the internet, um, just say, hey, can we cut that either during the recording or after, <laughs> and I will cut it. That's no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so have you guys had a chance to read through it mm-hmm. already? Perfect. Okay. Um, so then you kind of have, <laughs> I just know these tables are wildly different sizes. <laughs> um. just in line. Um. Sure, let's go with that. Um, so, the, so the general premise of this play is that it is um, a history play, and as much of it as possible is it historically accurate. I've done, I did more research. I spent more time doing research than I spent writing it. Um, so a good chunk of this is actually true, um, as true as history can be hundreds of years removed. Um, so the general playground that you guys have to work in is that I want it to sound like it would have sounded in that time period so um for instance when we get to like the riot at the end um i want basically everyone to be yelling at that point because you're yelling over the sounds of a riot um kind of like the sounds of if a journalist was actually there at that moment in time so the background will be a bunch of sound effects that are we will not have here um but so through basically everything there's going to be sound effects under you to kind of amplify and cement the reality of the situation um, These are your mics. Um, This is what you'll be playing to. We're going to be doing a couple very small blocking things, which is essentially just one of you will be on stage for an actor, and one of you will be out here past the microphones for an audience member to give that nice effect of someone yelling from a distance. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Any questions before we dive in? Where would you like us to be? So... I have some chairs set up for you here. If you would all come here and sit in front of the chairs, um, in front of the chairs, on the chairs, would be preferable. <laughs> With these disproportionate sized tables. Let's <laughs> grab. Um, oh, the four top versus the two
1: top? Yeah. <laughs> or height wise.
0: As long as there's just something so for you to style. set your, your scripts on. And it might because the wood be. is bigger too.
1: I'll grab that little two top over there. Okay. Um, voices. Yes. I assume you want different voices for each character. Yes, I do. do you so, want sc- it, 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 did I read correctly that McCready is Scottish?
0: Macready um, is British. British. British, okay. yes. Um, the only Scottish character is. Um, <laughs> What's-her-name, The rock star. Um, I'll know it when I see it. Um, when you guys notice this, the listener one and listener two, um, that's just your general like, human voices. Um, I, think, I think that's it. Um, okay. Um, so let's just start running through. We'll get through as much of the time we have, and then we
3: will take a break. Let us know around 2.45 and we'll... Duck out for that.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> so, whenever you guys are
2: ready, take it away. Want to hear something crazy? Always. I mean, really out of this world? I swear to you, most of what I tell you today will be true as true as can be a hundred and eighty years later, I'm going to tell you the story of the production of Macbeth that led to a full-scale riot on Broadway in New York City that left 22 people dead and over a hundred injured.
1: You said Macbeth?
2: Yes, Macbeth. But before we get there, we have to set the stage. It's the 19th century and we're in New York City. NYC! Can I? Yeah, sorry. Back in the day, theater was like church. Not in the sense of worship, but in the sense of space it utilized. Where a church might be used for worship, or a courtroom for deciding the law, a theater was a space for public discourse. The riot we're building, to is one of the reasons it's not that way anymore. How football games are now. That's what theater used to be. Spectators were expected, encouraged, to express their thoughts. And so then this is the first time where um, you were Romeo, are you will
0: mm-hmm. you'll, you'll hop up on stage okay. and then project as if you were projecting to basically the circus stage and you didn't have a mic. Okay. So like full-on projection, and then for the spectator slash there, you will just come out past the microphones and yell up back at her. Sure. <clears throat>
1: Oh, my love, my wife, death that hath sucked the honey of thy breath hath had no power yet upon thy beauty.
3: She's not dead.
1: Ah, dear Juliet, here, here will I remain with worms that are thy chambermaids. Oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest. Wait,
3: she's still breathing. Look at her.
1: Here's to my love, Thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. What a waste!
0: And then on With a Kiss I Die, do it like a...
1: (coughs) And thus, with a kiss, I die. (coughs)
3: What a waste.
2: (laughs) And as a testament to this popularity, audience members knew Shakespeare's play To the Line. If an actor messed up...
3: Oh, Romeo, Romeo, why for art thou Romeo?
1: It's wherefore, idiot?
2: Fun fact there was no such testosterone and toxic masculinity pumping through the public discourse in Antebellum American that Romeo was considered too effeminate of a role for men to play. Too many feelings. So the only Sorry. So, the, so the only way to see for Romeos of the day Were women Women Romeo were actually so popular That there was a production Starring Charlotte Cushman Sister of Susan Cushman Who played her Juliet
1: Romeo and Juliet were sisters?
2: In high school I knew a
3: brother and sister Who played Rolf and Liesel in The Sound of Music Who and who? You are sixteen
2: Going on seventeen who? Yeah imagine you. how they felt Uh, We are way off track. The point is that theater was rowdy.
1: And women were Romeo.
2: More so the toxic culture, but yeah, that too. Uh, the, The theater's success was gauged by how much the audience voiced their opinion. A silent crowd indicated a terrible show, and yet one heckler at one performance lit the fuse that would burn into one of the deadliest riots in American history. It was 1849, and there were two American pastimes theater and rioting. If you thought Hamilton fans were annoying, <laughs> you would have hated the 19th century. People treat Shakespearean actors the way they treat Lizzo. 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 Uh, the Night of the Riot, May 10th. There was not one, not two, but three productions of Macbeth playing within three blocks of each other. There was over ten thousand audience members between these three shows. There were.
1: There, was. there, was, there, were. there
2: were. I should have the title. There were over ten thousand audience members.
0: Um, and w- while we're stopped real quick, um, a, a bit that I want throughout the show is that, like you, you, the narrator, are so excited to tell the story, and then these two keep like interjecting with like their thoughts, and you just get more annoyed as the as as it goes on. So like. Um, we are way tracked at the point of the theater was rowdy. And women were Romeo. More so the toxic culture, but yeah. So just like as as they interject more and more, just get more and more annoyed with them. Um, okay, oh, here you go. First, faulty.
3: Defective <laughs> <It's a> <laughs> pencil. I there. it. I know. I always appreciate a good Hamilton dig. Lots
2: of thoughts on that.
3: Oh
0: my gosh. Alright, so let's just take it from, that's a lot of Hamilton. Let's take it from, there were over 10,000
2: audience members. (sighs) The night of the riot, May 10. There were not one, not two, but three productions of Macbeth playing within three blocks of each other. There was over 10,000 audience members between these three shows. That's a lot of Hamilton fans. Too many.
1: So, what caused the riot? Was it a really bad show? By all accounts, it was pretty good. But then what was the problem?
2: There were a lot of mitigating circumstances, but if I had to pick one igniting event, it would be this.
1: There was a play tonight before the king. One scene of it comes near the circumstance which I have told thee of my father's death. It is a damned ghost that we have seen, and my imaginations are as foul as Satan's scepter. Give him heedful note, for I, mine eyes, will rivet to his face, and after, we will both our judgments join in censure of his scene.
2: It's eight years earlier, 1840, and our first major character <laughs> slash real-life human is William McCready. McCready is currently playing Hamlet to a packed house in Edinburgh, Scotland. We're coming up on the play within the play, and Hamlet is monologuing to his sidekick Horatio. Hamlet's line is, I must be idle. Since it's Shakespeare, there are a lot of ways you can read idle and have it make sense. He decided his interpretation of idle would include some stereotypes of how the idle-minded of the day behaved. Picture an inflatable dancing tube man, and you have something close to what he looked like. Here it comes.
1: They are coming to the play. I must be idle.
0: Perfect, Um, pause real quick. So this (laughs) is one of those moments where um, in the background of Doug's narration, your monologue will be going. Okay, so so at the same time? So, um, no, for the purposes of uh, editing, We'll record them just as we did it just now, so you do it in one go. You do it in one go, and then I'll splice them together. Um, So for yours, just really that you're playing to a huge crowd, um, projection. And then you just, like, you're whispering in the middle of the show, like, it's eight years earlier. (laughs) Um, And so that's what that chunk will be. Okay. Um, And then for the clomping, just really go to town.
2: Get you a place. Perfect. This choice was so bold that it solicited a response from an audience member. Boo! Hiss!
1: (laughs) Okay, audience members could be assholes, fine. But there had to be rules, right? What if I started a fistfight with someone in the crowd? The police would break it up, right?
2: I'm so glad that you asked. The standing policy was that police would not interfere with any disruptions. It was actually considered a free speech issue. That'll become important later. MacReady, ever the professional, took this outburst in stride.
1: Who said that? Reveal yourself!
2: You'd like that, wouldn't
3: you?
1: Step onto the stage, you coward! I
3: wouldn't want that, fella. Then there'd actually be
2: someone on stage who can act. Determined to prove a point, MacReady forged on with the performance, the remainder of which was uneventful. The person booing is one of the, uh, was one of our antagonists, In the literal sense of the word, Edwin Forrest. Depending on who you asked, Forrest was an even more popular actor than MacReady. But where MacReady was loved for his subtlety and grace... The guy who clomped across the stage was subtle? It was a different time. Where MacReady was slight, Forrest was huge. A bear of a man. He roared across the stage and used his physicality to impart action. And so, real quick,
0: um, Forrest, I envision as more of a man's man. So if you want to do like a text and draw or something like that. Oh, you want me to just go full on, full, full masculinity, toxicity. Okay. Uh, So now that British at all just no, because Forrest was very much an American. Got it. um, And that's part of the reason the the fight broke out in the first place is that because um, Americans like Americans, but they don't like. Oh, all right. Not Americans. History doesn't really change in that sense. Sure. Um, I'll be honest.
3: I did not look penguin up, so that's not bad. No, no, no. That's what I'm here for, to help explain that.
0: <laughs> um, so, and that that's part of the, the whole reason the riot broke out was um, xenophobia, because we have a foreigner um, who a lot of people like, and there's Americans who are like, well, why do you like a foreigner? Are you uh... kidding me? And so that's what Forrest is. is force is basically like Tucker Carlson, and yep. um, McCready is like anybody 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 <laughs> not from America <laughs> um, so, so there we go and then um, for and so I forgot to get this note earlier really for you Savannah um, when you guys are playing um, Forrest and um, McCready as their actors on stage by today's standards they would be downright abysmal they would be almost they were they were loud but that's about all they had going for them alright um, because they didn't have microphones they had to project like crazy and they had to play it to the rafters. so like they, by our stance today, they would be, like, at, like, a 20 out of 10 in all of their acting. Um, so there really is no limit to how bad you can get with this, with the, sh- the, sh- the Shakespeare. Um, okay. So, like, it, it wouldn't be, like, a good example would be, like, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty, pedi- like, that, that would be how, like, good Shakespeare would sound. But Forrest would sound like, tomorrow and tomorrow! <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Just really... Oh, yeah. Way too much, but audiences love that. They want, they want eight shit for that. Um, So that's that's the um, the context is that these are bad actors, and that instigated a riot that killed dozens. So,
3: Um, history. Okay, cool. No one likes. it. Well, I'll go back and start it over then. (laughs) Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day
0: To the last syllable of recorded time And while you're doing this, stomp around the stage Okay, show. yeah, sure
3: And all of our yesterdays have lighted fools The way to dusty death Break candle Life's but a walking shadow A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage And then is heard no more It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And so
0: this is another one of those moments where we'll record it separate, but they'll be splicing the other way, so you're whispering over
2: it. Forrest was like Michael Jordan of the stage. He dunked the ball every chance he got, and the audience loved him for it. He played to angry Irishmen, the dock workers and builders of the day, as low as you could go on the social ladder and still be white. (laughs) That
0: is also (laughs) an instigating factor in all this.
2: The bigger he got, the more they cheered.
0: Woo! Cheering!
2: Yay! Forrest didn't act so much as, well, yell, and his fame only grew, and he used that fame to bully his way unto... Any venue he wanted. You see, Forrest really, really, really hated McCready. It wasn't just because he thought McCready was a bad actor. It was also because he was British. Specifically, a, a foreigner. Forrest was a self-described Native American. And so
0: this chunk, um, after the audience uh, cheers, we'll just go back into your normal mm-hmm. normal
2: volume okay, narration sorry. voice. Sure. Um, and keep keep on going.
1: I'm assuming that doesn't mean what it means now.
2: You'd be correct.
1: Mm.
2: Back then, a self-described Native American was someone who hated anyone not Native to America. Of course, real-life Native Americans weren't Native. Black people weren't Native. Even the Irish weren't Native because they were all still immigrants. You had to be white and born in America to white parents. Also, not immigrants, to be considered native. That sounds about white. This viewpoint bled into all aspects of Forrest's life. He sought to define American excellence, and McCready represented a threat to that. And so, he would bounce around the nation as McCready's bitter shadow. McCready played Hamlet in Chicago, Forrest played Hamlet in Chicago, but a block over. Hamlet, Macbeth, Julius Caesar—it didn't matter what role McCready played. Forrest would play the same one, as close as he could. <laughs> you like money, right? Uh,
1: y- yeah. Yeah, of
3: course you do. You're a producer. But what other, what, <laughs> what, should, what other purpose do you
1: have? I also stage. Oh, produce him. me
3: on your stage in the role of Hamlet this Saturday.
1: This Saturday, but. Uh, But McCready is playing down the block in the role of Hamlet this Saturday. You can't expect me to play the same show the same night. Oh, of course I can!
3: Because I'm going to make you so much fucking money that your head spins. Come on!
2: Do the right thing. And so it went. If Forrest was a huge actor, then McCready was a methodical one. He was a big fan of the dramatic pause.
1: To be... Or... not. To be? I know the line. You were
3: just taking a really long time is all.
1: I'm aware of that. It's called acting. (laughs) I pause to indicate a thought, a concept clearly new to you.
2: He was more popular with audience members than crew members.
1: Let's try it again, shall we? To be or not!
2: The the line is...
1: um, I know what the line is, you intolerable garbage bag of a human!
2: Well, you get the gist. Uh, Regardless of their backstage antics, both Forrest and McCready had massive followings in the United States for wildly different reasons. Where Forrest was seen as a man's man, the quintessential American, McCready was seen as classical, refined, The way things used to be, and should continue to be. The origin of America versus the bold new frontier.
1: You mean to tell us that these actors were so popular, people rioted and died on their behalf?
2: No, because they didn't. It's just that each man happened to be a lightning rod for a lot of the simmering hostility. Class war was brewing, but before we get there... We must set the stage. At the turn of the 19th century, America was undergoing rapid change. In the span of a couple decades, America doubled, both in size and population, and for the first time, urban centers were beginning to form. People no longer had to work the land all day long to survive. Streets, infrastructure, the beginnings of America's blood vessels spread and crept across the land. For the first time ever in America, People had time to spare.
1: Hey, Stu. What jobs you got today? Hey,
3: Drew. I gotta... <laughs> I need to... Well, hell, I don't know.
1: What do you mean you don't know? Did you milk the cow? Yep. Built the gazebo? Yep. And what, what about dredging the river? I got it done last Tuesday. I'll be damned. I guess you don't have anything to do.
2: What do I do? And so, urbanites flocked to theaters where they were exposed to Shakespeare, minstrel shows, and radical speakers. And so, this is Scottish
0: if you want to try to go for an accent. But if, if you're not confident in Scottish, by all means, don't go for it.
1: I'm pretty confident in an Irish,
0: That'd be fine. But I'll,
1: I'll try my best to um, make it Scottish.
0: The, the more so than the accent, the important part of um, this little monologue is that Fanny Wright, by today's standards, would have been a preacher. Um uh, but right. she was preaching not for Christianity, she was preaching against it. she was Ooh. preaching for women's right, um, women's liberation, um uh, of awesome feminist shit, um, like a hundred years before the curve. Fanny Wright is a rock star, I love her. Um, so it's just that the energy of like a preacher in a sermon. Um, okay. see what you do about right. it.
1: Here go. Oh, uh oh. Oh. Gosh, now I forgot how to do an accent. That's fine. If the accent's
0: getting your way, just focus on the preacher.
1: <laughs> All right. I have used a word to which is attached an obnoxious meaning. Speak of change, and the world is in alarm. And yet, where we do not see change, what is there in the physical world but change? And what would there be in the moral world without change? The flower blossoms, the fruit ripens, the seed is received and germinates in the earth, and we behold the tree. The a- ailment? Ailment. A- the ailment we eat to satisfy our hunger incorporates with our frame, and the atoms composed in our existence today are exhaled tomorrow. All is change. Within and about us no one thing is as it was or will be as it is. Strange, then, that we should jump at a word used to signify a thing so familiar.
2: Who was that? Fanny Wright. The most hated woman in America.
1: That's a high bar to clear, isn't it?
2: What? You, you want the... the sorry. What? You want the re- receipts? Fine.
1: Where'd you get a newspaper?
2: And why does it smell? August 1st. Okay. August 1st. 1828. The Christian watchman, a disgrace to her sex, we regret to learn that Miss Frances Wright, who had the address to uh, ingratiate herself into the favor of General Lafayette, and to obtain from him $10,000 for the professedly benevolent object of enabling slaves to work out the amount of their purchase money, has become editor of the New Harmony Gazette. Her principles appear to be as infidel and, of course, as lewd as those of the famous but visionary Robert Owen. We are pleased to learn, for the honor of our American ladies, that she is not a native of the United States, which just goes to show comment section existed well before the internet. Why did people hate her so much? In 1825, she was campaigning for the end of slavery. She decried organized religion, campaigned for women's rights to vote, and most offensive of all, promoted birth control and sexual liberation for women. They called her the great red harlot of infidelity. After attending one of her sermons, Walt Whitman wrote in his journal, More than beautiful, she was grand. She possessed herself of my body and soul. Theater was the only place in America that you could truly consider a melting pot. It was the only place you could go and see rich and poor, black and white, men and unmarried women. And more than a common ground, theater was the battleground where new ideas were put to the test. And as with all cultural fads, clergy members would try to steer their flocks away from the corrupting pull of theater. In a delightful bit of alliteration and a frightful bit of uh, anti-Semitism, theaters would be referred to as synagogues of Satan. But I digress. Along MacReady's tour, tensions began to rise.
1: Get thee to a nunnery. Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things as were better my mother had not borne me. Oi,
3: McCree! McCree, I've got something for you!
1: I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offenses at my beck than I have thought to put them in. And then
0: you'll cut her off?
3: Oh, sorry, I cut off the wrong place. So, um,
0: so yeah, um, and her last line, uh, why wouldst thou be a a breeder of sinners? That's when you start your, I'm McCready! That's the first one, sorry. All right. And then when she gets her, I'm very proud, eventful, ambitious, with more offenses at my back, McCready! Special delivery! Got it. You you eat a sheep carcass on stage. Okay.
3: McCready! Special delivery! Compliments of you! You're uh, your better, Edwin Forrest. Help!
2: Half of a sheep's carcass was tossed on stage. McCready, ever the professional, carried on and finished the show. Once the curtains came down, MacReady reflected.
1: I've had enough of this godforsaken land. Bullies and butchers on every corner. Perhaps it's time I return to the motherland.
2: And yet he persisted. McCready decided that he would finish his farewell tour, despite all the haters.
1: Haters? More like ingraters.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for McCready, his farewell tour was set to close in the worst possible place, New York City. In the year 1800, there were around 80,000 people living in NYC within 20 years its population had more than tripled tens of thousands of immigrants poured in from ireland and germany countries that were going through their own famines and depressions and upheavals and if there's one constant through if there's one constant through line in american history it's adversity to outsiders whomever the outsiders of the decade may be all of those immigrants landed in america and for many of them New York was their new home, specifically the Five Points neighborhood, because nowhere else would take them.
0: And then, um, for the real estate agent, I'm just picturing a really bubbly, like, oh, and this is the... Same! This, this is just a lovely little home, even though it's like you're selling an apartment in the literal middle of one of the worst ghettos in
1: all of America. <laughs> <laughs> the McAllisters live there. They're a lovely people. I helped them sign their lease just last week. Uh to be this one's you it, it should be unlocked.
3: I am old, okay? And this stuff happens more and more as you get older. Alright? Mm-hmm. I'm not as young as <laughs> these other men that you are used to dating. Liz. I am old. <laughs> yes. Practically at the end of
0: life. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, well, oh, <laughs> Huh? How old are you?
3: I'll be 28 on Monday.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll be 27 in two Mondays. <gasps> oh, my gosh. oh my
3: gosh. What a. You're only a week. A
1: week and a year older than yeah. me. Yeah, it's been
3: like a decade
1: since Ticy. I've been in like 20. <laughs>
2: I've been t- 23 times.
1: What?
2: I've been 23 times. I've almost been 20 twice. So. Yeah. Well. And we're back.
1: <laughs> Was all, right. all of that recorded?
0: No, uh, a little bit of it. <laughs> so we are recording again. Um, we're just going to pick up where we left off, go through, rehearse, take a little break, and then go back and record it. Okay. Um, one thing I want to remind all of you of is just to project. Um, even though the microphones are right here, it's easier for me to turn you down than it is to turn you up. Um, that's all i got to say. Okay. Um, we were halfway down 18 So let's just take it from the end of the narrator's line. And he couldn't have asked for a better fuel source than the Astor Place Opera House.
1: (laughs) What was so bad about it?
2: For the poor and disgruntled, Astor Place was everything wrong with the world. It was named in honor of John Jacob Astor, the Jeffrey Bezos of his day. See... This sounds familiar. September 6, 1945. The new
3: metropolis. It would take 3,500 men working 20, 20 years, 300 days without being sick or out, of un- or out of employment an hour the whole time. And getting a dollar a day without spending a cent, it would take all of that to earn what Mr. John Jacob Astor has saved from what the world calls his
2: industry. And put, um, quote,
0: his industry. End oh. In quote. Sure. Sure. It doesn't, it
1: doesn't quite. the newspaper's sass doesn't
0: quite read over sure. uh, audio. Um, all the newspaper excerpts are real excerpts, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So the one where they called her a disgrace for her sex was from an actual newspaper. Wow. As much as I could, I took from historical archives. Anyway,
2: continuing on. Industry, of course, being COD. For the record... A dollar a day in 1845 money would be equivalent to about a a $46 per hour wage today. To put all of this in the modern context, it would be like going to see a production of Hamilton at the Bezos Playhouse, and tickets cost two grand minimum. And you could only attend if you wore an outfit designed specifically by Vera Wang. That kind of makes me want to go flip a car over and light it on fire. It gets worse. The theater was highbrow. It catered to only the richest and enforced a strict dress code for all its patrons.
1: Excuse me, kind sir. You cannot attend. How do you mean I can't attend? You are not dressed for the evening, sir. I'm wearing my best flannel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Sir, if you read the sign out front I can't read So it seems Well, what's it say? All attendees of the evening's festivities must don a suit or dress Must be clean shaven And most importantly of all, must be wearing a pair of clean white gloves Gloves? How am I supposed to afford those? You have the rest of the evening to figure it out seeing as your plans have just opened up. Good evening, and goodbye.
2: It is May 7th, 1849, opening night. Macbeth at the Astor Place Theatre, starring William Charles McCready in the final venue of his farewell tour. Also, opening tonight, Macbeth at the Broadway Theatre, starring Edwin Forrest, located in the center of the Scenic Five Points Neighborhood, starring Thomas Hablin. Who? Ooh. Exactly. A producer, he's cashing in on the controversy... Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that word should be,
0: not conservatory.
2: <laughs> cashing in on the, the controversy by selling tickets to those who weren't able to get into the other sold-out productions. He will be performing the role of Macbeth, and he will sell every single seat cross town, Rinders, has been busy. He and his supporters have purchased over 500 tickets to tonight's performance of Macbeth and distributed those tickets to his boys.
1: Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. It is seven o'clock and the doors are open. If you need any help finding your seat, there are ushers at every door who can... COMING THROUGH! Uh, Pardon you? Oh, excuse me.
2: As the clock creeps towards 7.30, audience members notice more and more unsavory people wander in. Gentlemen, not of leisure, but of labor. They were not clean-shaven, did not wear a suit or gloves, and they reeked of cod. Remember how I said audience members were expected to voice their thoughts, and start the start of the show was also decided by the audience. McCready hears what he thinks is a roar of applause and takes to the stage to begin the show. So to kind of set the stage
0: for what's happening, um, what happened, I guess I should say, uh, because this is real life, is like audiences at the time, like when they were tired of like waiting for the actors, they would just start. And then everyone in the audience would start just stamping their foot so like the building would be shaking from all the people stomping their feet and so McCready's backstage he's like my adoring fans and he comes out on stage and he tries to start and it's just stop angry stomping throughout the entire building so that's the so we're now starting to get into the point where um, everyone should be extra loud because there's going to be a loud a lot of sound effects happening underneath um so just take from McCready. here's what he thinks
2: McCready hears what he thinks is a roar of applause and takes to the stage to begin the show.
1: Good evening and welcome to tonight's performance. The
2: audience is here for him, but not in the sense he wants.
1: I understand you're all excited, but it's time for the show to begin.
2: McCready attempts to go on with the show.
1: It's so foul... So foul! So foul and fair a day I have not
2: seen! But it's pointless. It's impossible for the actors to be heard over the crowd. McCready, ever the professional, decides the show must go on.
1: Actors, we must carry on. Do the show in mime.
2: And so they do. They move through the blocking and gestures to convey emotion. If you can imagine, this doesn't improve the mood of the audience. English aristocrats, something wicked this way comes. The protesters are now pelting the stage with eggs, pennies, potatoes, lemons, apples. Oh there goes a oh there goes a shoe.
1: Please, please, everyone! The shower
2: of debris will continue until the third act, when McCready enters with the most unfortunate choice of costume choices.
1: Here is our chief guest.
2: The reason the protesters are quite literally ripping the seats out of the floor is because at the top of the third act, Macbeth has been cr- crowned king, and Macready has entered wearing a crown—the very symbol of British oppression. Seeing that furniture has now joined the forecast, Macready turns to his his bank, Banco, Bankwell, Bankwell. Returns to his bank banquo and says...
1: At least it's not a matinee! And
2: promptly walks out of the theater, allegedly in high spirits. However, in the cold light of day, a realization dawns.
1: I'm leaving for civilization! Immediately! But
2: before he can storm off across the ocean, a petition circulates amongst the wealthy. All right, so real quick, sorry.
0: Yes, sure. Um And promptly walks out of the theater... Um, this is when the angry crowd noises will start fading, so we okay. can start coming back down to normal. <clears throat> okay. And then once we get into... I'll just tell you once we get back into the, the loud. Um, so we're just okay. resetting to a normal projection volume. Okay.
2: Um, However, in the cold light of day, a realization dawns.
1: I am leaving for civilization! immediately
2: but before he can storm off across the ocean a petition circulates amongst the wealthy
3: you see dear chap if you leave for england the poor folk will have won we built the astor place so we could spend a night away from the rabble and they have the independency to demand access to our space. This is a matter of principle, Sir MacReady. Do you do you want to be on the right side of history? Please, for this art's sakes, return to the Astor Plays this Saturday and complete your performance of Macbeth. After all, the show must go on. Ta-ta. Signed affectionately. The 47th wealthiest and most influential man of New York City,
2: 1845. This is the gist of their plea to MacReady. It's not one of his Better moments, but Herman Melville, author of a little whale of a tale, Moby Dick. Little in, known, sorry. <laughs> little known whale. Little whale. known whale. I thought the little whale of a tale. Oh, okay, then, <laughs> yeah, day, that's okay. all right. Well, the that. Little whale of a
1: tale. A little whale of a tale. A little whale of a, a, <laughs> whale
2: of a tale, Moby <laughs> Dick, includes his name among the signatures. The letter had its intended effect.
1: What kind of actor? Nay, artiste. ...would I be if I were to ignore such a handsome request from my most fervent fans.
2: McCready agrees to return to the stage this upcoming Thursday, May 10th. What happens between now and then is a bit hazy. Certainly tensions rise across the board. The mayor of New York City will assemble every available policeman and militiamen available to his call. An abysmal six hundred in total... And Rinders, well, he's making sure people stay angry. As we speak, his boys are plastering flyers across the town. Attention, working men! Shall Americans or English
3: rule this city? The crew of the British steamer have threatened all Americans who shall dare express their opinions on this night at the English aristocratic opera house. We have no ad, we advocate no violence, but a free expression of opinion to all public men. Working men, free men, stand by your lawful rights. Signed, the
2: American Committee. Thursday comes, and the Astor Place has done what they can to prepare.
1: Windows boarded up. Check. 150 <laughs> police officers positioned inside. and Check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what sound that is. Oh,
2: that's perfect. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a constipation. <laughs> I think the Astro Bouncer is.
1: Yeah,
0: I, so. I agree.
1: Cage okay, assembled in the basement to contain any unruly audience members. Mm, Chuck! screened all <laughs> oh, tickets. Um.
2: Unsure of the best way to prevent protesters from getting inside the theater, the Astor Place decides to put small black marks on the trustworthy tickets. 7.30 rolls around again, and the protesters try to start the show. But the ticket screening worked, and significantly less agitators have found their way to a seat. (coughs) To single out the troublemakers, a final measure is used... The stage manager walks on stage with a sign that reads... The Friends of Order will remain silent. (laughs) And it works! McCready's fans fall totally silent while the protesters continue to make themselves heard. The police escort them to the cages downstairs, and the show begins. Unfortunately for the actors and the audience... Weeding out the internal protesters does absolutely nothing to diminish the staggering 10,000 protesters who have gathered just outside the theater. So this is where we're going to get back into very loud again. Shortly after the show begins, so too does the assault on the Astor Place Opera House. We had a war over this! America rules England! The protest picks up steam once protesters discover a nearby construction site burned with too many cobblestones. Move them down the line! A human chain is formed and cobblestones are passed hand over hand until they reach the theater, at which point they become... Aim! Launch! Ammunition!
1: Injured! We have injured! Aim! Launch! Is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? Come, let me clutch thee.
3: MacReady, please. No show
1: is worth this. We need to stop this. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still.
2: Outside, the militia has been called in. The cavalry is the first to arrive. Aim! Launch! Some militiamen are pulled from their horses as they charge into the crowd. The situation continues to deteriorate, but don't worry. The mayor happens to be here.
1: Mayor, sir, please, let us use our weapons.
2: If you think
3: that is the correct decision to discharge your weapons, then by all means, I won't tell you not to do that. If you indeed do think that it's the right thing to do at the moment in time.
1: I just need a yes or no. Mm.
3: Do you hear that? Sir, I swear I can hear someone. Mayor, mayor, someone needs me. I should go.
2: Sir, but the mayor's gone. Something different, (laughs) (laughs) and he won't be returning. Coincidentally, the play inside is reaching its climax.
1: Bring it after me. I will not be afraid of death and pain till Burnham Forest come to Dunsinane.
2: The forces of Macduff have come to claim revenge for the death of their king, Duncan. Macbeth stands against a siege of scorn, and for a brief moment, art imitates life.
1: Hang out our banners on the earthward walls. The cry is still, they come. Our castle's strength will laugh a siege to scorn. The
2: crowd inside goes wild as the crowd outside goes wild!
1: Fire into the air! We don't want any
3: injuries! Is anyone hurt? Anyone? No! They're firing blanks! Aim lower! Just over their heads! They kill an American for the
1: British!
2: And then, without warning...
1: Reload! Aim! Fire!
2: The crowd is finally driven back. Lafayette Street is riddled with bullet holes, cobblestones, and pools of blood. Over 20 protesters lay dead, and with dozens more injured, dozens of injured police, too. In the cold light of day, things get worse. Now we
3: can bring the volume back down, because we're out of the riot. Please, 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 questions one at a time.
1: Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, is there any truth to the statement that the Astor Opera House will be blown up?
3: That's not a statement, that's rumor. Next question. What do you want?
1: Mr. Mayor, is there any truth to the statement that your house will be burned down? None. Next question.
3: Uh, do you... <laughs> Hold on. Do you, not see... <clears throat> do you not see the crowd of other people with questions?
1: will there be any more violence tonight? I
3: can promise that there will not be any further violence. Just today, 1,000 deputies and 2,000 infantrymen have come to New York we are more than prepared for any further issues. This city has never been, been safer. No further questions.
1: Are you Arthur right now? I
3: don't know what other choice <laughs> I have <laughs> Sounds like Arthur I think so.
1: Do you have anything to say to the citizens of New York? Those who are scared and angry after the murders at the Opera House?
3: Okay, what, what do you want to go with for the mayor? Because I've tried two things and I hate both of them. Um,
0: <laughs> I kind of... Th- you're already kinda of doing it for renders, but grinders, but I I like the idea of um, just kinda of that like, hey Yoze, what the what the fuck are you talking about? Because okay. um, because what it is is he's such a weenie where he's like, Well you can shoot your guns if you want, but I don't want to make that decision for you, but okay. you can shoot your guns. Okay. And then the reporter's like, What about these murders? And okay. the mayor takes that personally, he's like
2: Excuse me, you have
3: out there, I'm the mayor. Okay. Let me try number three, and then okay. we'll see <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> Give me that uh, after the murders at the uh, Opera House.
1: Uh, those who are scared and angry after the murders at the Opera House. Days, I, I
3: do, actually. To all citizens of New York City, after witnessing the deplorable actions of the last evening, I can only say this. Shame on you! You think you have the right to protest as you please? To disrupt the evening and the leisure of those who make more than you can even dream about? And there are rumors of some... I don't like this either, so let me try something different. Okay. Um, and there a okay, And there are rumors of some of you trying to act tough. I would advise against that. Yeah, We've right. arrested dozens of you, and we would cherish the opportunity to arrest dozens more. And good luck trying to arm yourselves. My office was informed today that the agitators last evening attempted to rent 2,000 firearms for recreational use. This is America, and you can't even afford a gun. You know what a business loves more than renting? Buying. And who has more money than me and my friends? You and your anger are a joke. This is what I say to every citizen of New York who's thinking of coming out tonight. You do not have a monopoly on violence.
0: That evening... Just real quick. Really laying on the, you do not have a monopoly on violence. Because this is a real life thing the mayor said where he threatens okay. citizens of
3: New York saying, you're not the only ones who can kill people. Okay. <laughs> you do not have a
2: monopoly on on violence. That evening, anywhere between 10 and 25,000 furious people gathered downtown. Orator after orator spoke to the crowd until Reinder takes the stage. Friends, Germans, Irishmen, lend
3: me your ear. I come to offer the truth, not reconciliation. The evil that men do, uh, (coughs) that. The evil that men do lives after them. The good dies with them.
2: Rinders goes on and on, decrying foreigners, the rich, free to the captive slaves alike, anyone he could target as less than American. It doesn't reach the entire crowd just enough. Five thousand march on Astor Place, torches ablaze when they arrive They are greeted with cannon barrels pointed down the avenue. Despite a long, tense standoff, violence doesn't erupt, and the crowd goes home. The Astor Place riots have come to a close. What happens next? Another 170 years of history. Care to narrow it down? I I meant from the riots. Did, Did Reinders ever go to jail? No. He went into politics.
1: And what about Forrest?
2: He saw his popularity dwindle after the riot, and as for McCready, he left for England, never to return to America. For cultural impact, the newspapers of the time tell us very much and very little. Articles were split among party lines whether the riot was even a riot, and whether it was a tragedy or a resounding success.
1: To the capitalists of the old world, the recent Astor Place riot should demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that your assets will be protected here in America. Yes, there was a disruption, and yes, some damage was done. But the police did not hesitate to shoot those who sought to boring, uh, who sought to bring harm to a renowned institution. What other countries could claim they have such resolve?
2: Versus the other side of the aisle...
3: No good can come of the recent tragedy at the Astor Place Opera House. How can any continue knowing what they know now? That Americans despise the sight of one another. Even after the repairs are made and the dead are mourned, there is lasting damage to the American fabric. A loss of neighborly attitudes.
2: It is the shame and tragedy that will have untold consequences. Shortly after the riots, the Astor Place Opera House was permanently closed. Its insides were gutted, and the building was converted into the New York Mercantile Library until it was demolished in 1890 and replaced with the building that stands there today and for really long term and for real long term effects the Astor Place Riot led to the strengthening and militarization of the nation's nation's first police force the NYPD
1: that's a bummer
2: I don't mean to imply that no good came from these events. The need for a shared public space did not go unheard. Shortly after the riots, the plans were cemented for what we now, today, know today, know today as Central Park, a bastion of nature in the city that never sleeps.
1: Um, how do you pronounce that second word?
2: It's supposed it's
1: to be like taen. 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 yeah. Ta- like Tayan. Yeah, but Shakespeare. Yeah, but Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, taen, and like a buzzard.
3: No slow-winged turtle, I shall uh, shall a buzzard take thee.
1: Aye for a turtle, as he takes a buzzard. Come,
2: come, you wasp. If faith, you are too angry. Just a couple of miles from the spot where so many died, people of all classes and backgrounds can come see Shakespeare in the park for free.
1: If I be waspish, best beware my sting.
3: My remedy is then to pluck it out.
1: Aye, if the fool could find it where it lies. Who
3: knows not where a wasp does wear his sting in his tail?
1: In his tongue. Whose tongue? Yours, if you talk of tails. And so, farewell.
3: What, with my tongue and your tail may come again, good Kate, I am a gentleman.
1: <laughs> that I'll try. Yeah. It's so naughty. So uh, naughty.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's rehearsal process. The goal of Barely There Theater is to create plays and entertainment for people free of charge, anywhere they want, anytime they want. Subscribe to us for mostly weekly updates with new audio plays, rehearsals, and whatever else might come up. We do ask that if you liked what you just listened to, consider donating to us at our website, BarelyThereTheater.com. And if you're in a position where you can't afford to donate, that's okay too. Consider passing this episode along to someone who you think will enjoy it. Tune in next time, and once again, thanks for listening to Barely There Theater.